Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how are you doing today? It's good, man. By the time anybody hears this, Metropolitan's pitcher Jacob deGrom will have won the National League Cy Young, and everything will be good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure people are dying to, <laughs> dying to find out if a guy who went, what was his record, 12 and 11? Not a lot of games. But <laughs> now, I won't argue with you about baseball, considering you openly admit you don't watch baseball, so there's no point in having a conversation. Well, how, did, or how did I know deGrom's record for just a casual observer? Well, I mean, like you myself. actually don't actually think that pitching wins matters, do you? No, okay. but it's All just right. like we don't have to have the conversation. Baseball, move up the awards. Nobody, it's the middle of November. Like, can we figure something out to do this at a different time? I mean, yeah, I don't. Don't you? Yeah, agree? I mean, I guess you can do it all together right after the World Series, but I think they like to spread it out to try to keep interest in the game. And I mean, obviously that doesn't work because nobody pays attention to baseball. But I think that's the thought process. Right. Yeah, well, I care. We'll be waiting with bated breath for the old uh, Degrom announcement. But uh, anyway, we remind everybody to tell a friend, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, email us, tweet at us. If you have anything to contribute to the show? We're here waiting. I've, we've got people tweeting at us asking to co-host the show. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if if do we do we already break that when we let Lackford start co-hosting with us? Uh yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, there's going to be a heavy dose of Lackford coming up in the next couple of weeks, so the people can be ready for that. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I told everybody last week that I probably would be on hiatus, but guess what? You can't keep me down that easily. I'm here. Just had a slice of Jets pizza, which uh, was delicious. If we want to go with the early recommendation, but <laughs> anyway, let's let's jump into the picks. Rob, last week I came back down to earth. I went o four and one. Oh God. Uh, in a, <laughs> Terrible. We had what well, I mean, I took Alabama. we both took Alabama, and the line we had was 24 and a half. And I think it went down by the time kickoff happened, but they won by 24. It did. I bet it we and both won. pushed on. So in real life, yeah. Right. I definitely went better than 04 one in real life. You went two, two, and one. Uh, because Clemson pushed at 20, and I think the line I got at kickoff was closer to it was 18. So there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of changes from the time, but we got to go with the lines we got. So let's jump into it. You are 20, 10, and one on the year. I'm 28, 27, and one. Let's talk about average. So uh, not a ton of big games this week, but we do try to do one from every major conference and include the ranked team. So first of all, UCF, my alma mater, hosting college game day this weekend. Probably going to be a raucous. Are they atmosphere. really hosting? I'm they surprised seven- that the, the college game day crew agreed to go there since UCF is terrible and don't deserve anything they get. Well, it was a master. It was a master wrestling move by them to troll UCF, talk about them every week, talk about how they're terrible, and then set it up to visit campus and get a ton of get a ton of ratings. Uh, don't you think that had to have been the plan now all along? Yeah, probably so. So anyway, UCF a seven-point favorite, uh, Cincinnati coming in. I've been saying all year that I think UCF is going to lose a game. Uh, I think it's going to come in these next three. The question is, can they lose and still be that uh, group of five team to, to make it? They need to beat Cincinnati in order for that to happen. I just think, you know, I think Cincinnati could very easily win this game, but this is going to be probably the biggest game in terms of on-campus game in the history of UCF just because of the atmosphere. It's a primetime game on ABC. Uh, you've got you got all day to let those party animal students drink, and I think you know there will be a, a rocking house. I, I expect UCF to win, 
But if Cincinnati went in there and won, I would not be shocked. So I'm going to take UCF to cover the seven point spread. What do you I'm think? I'm taking about? UCF as well. I don't think they're ever going to lose again. I think they're going to win their next 6,000 games and still be held out of the playoff. What's crazy is they are definitely not as good as they were last year. There's no question. Uh, if you watch them play, I mean, they've lost several guys to the NFL, but they still have legit skill position players, guys that should be playing at much bigger programs. And and that's why I think they can beat a team like Cincinnati who's terrible happen. when I watch them play. This is a thousand percent what's actually going to happen is you're right. They're not as good as they were last year. They're going to win out. They're going to get the the group of five uh, New Year's Day Bowl game berth. They're going to play somebody awesome. They're going to lose, and everybody is going to say, "See, I told you." As if that validates everything. Because <laughs> when they beat Auburn last year, remember right. Auburn wasn't trying. We decided. Yeah, they didn't want to play when they didn't even want to be there. But I'm telling uh, you, that's what's going to happen. They're going to lose the New Year's Day bowl game, and everybody's going to say, "See, I told you." That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I could totally see that happening, uh, especially because whoever they play is not going to be like they're going to be like, "Oh, we got to shut these guys up." Which I, which was, which is what Auburn was saying prior to last year before they decided they didn't want to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know if UCF does win by some reason, the other team definitely didn't try. So. Right, so it's all worked out. Uh, anyway, moving on, uh, Syracuse uh, playing Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium, uh, right in Rob's hometown. Syracuse getting ten and a half points. Now that's when I really mulled this one over for a while, but guess what? Give me the Irish. They are rolling. I think they're going to make the playoff. This is their last big test. They smashed Florida State last week and with their backup quarterback in a game. They probably could have slept walk through and still won. This shows me they're dialed in. I like Syracuse a lot, and, and Lackford and I actually had been talking off the air about what if Syracuse played UCF, you know, who would win. But the bottom line is Notre Dame's going to win this one. I, and even though the 10 and a half is a lot of points – you know, they're wearing those stupid pinstripe uniforms. It's going to be great. What do you think? Give me Syracuse. I, just because, I, I don't know. I really like the Syracuse offense. I think it's dynamic. I think Dungy is incredible. I don't know if they'll win the game outright, uh, but I think they can cover that. Why are they playing this game in Yankee Stadium? I don't. I covered a football game in Yankee Stadium once. <laughs> the press box is open air. It's freezing. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why they're doing this. Something to do with uh... – Something to do with the Shamrock series, I think is what it's called. I understand. <laughs> they play. They Notre need Dame. to do the Shamrock series in like warm weather cities in maybe football stadiums. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. Play in, they, play in Orlando. They were supposed to play Washington State in Orlando at one time. And I don't know that game. You know, this is a classic case of those games get announced. You know, they're like, oh, in 2875, Notre Dame is going to host. Uh, the Yankees. Yeah, I saw people tweeting like, about Georgia as playing like you know half the half the good teams in college football in like 2028 or something this week. Right, and they will not play. Those games won't happen. They get announced. We write about it, and then they get canceled. When they get canceled, nobody really even mentions it. Like you know, I think like this year Oregon and Texas A&M were supposed to play, and it was like how many times did we write about that? And it never got played. What, what tends happened, to happen, so. at least, what happened at Kansas State when. Ron Prince signed a bunch of these games. They were supposed to play two games with Auburn. They were playing against Virginia Tech. They were playing all these games. And then the coaching change happens. And the new coach comes in, who happened to be Bill Snyder in that case. And just it's like, no, I'm not playing any of those. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh... – I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to lose games. I don't have to lose, especially if I'm trying to turn the program around. Uh, next up, Iowa State, a two and a half point underdog, traveling to Texas. And I think – I know you hate Iowa State, Rob. It's been well established. I think I hate so them. I just don't think they're Iowa good. <laughs> well, they're going to go in there and win that one. I think I think the Cyclones. Ah, what do you cool. Think? Hook them. Give me Herman. 
What did he, he say? Cool. No, cool. Didn't he say, okay, cool, hook him? Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> We're talking about Tom Herman's res- alleged response to uh, Zach Smith, which we'll talk about later. Uh, USC, three-and-a-half-point favorite going to the Rose Bowl across town in a game where there will probably be 20,000 fans. Uh, and this one's going to surprise you. I think this is a big win for Chip Kelly. They keep getting better every week. USC is floundering. I like the Bruins to win this one. Uh, I like them to win it outright. I definitely like them to cover, so I'm taking UCLA. Rob? Boy, imagine having to watch this game, like being on the beat and somebody making you watch this game. I mean, those are that's there is nothing appealing about either of those two football teams. <laughs> only about only about fifteen five stars playing in this game between two teams that are are combined seven and. 20 I know there are a lot of really good. I mean, USC. I know their roster, and I'm sure UCLA has a bunch of guys I know, but I can't name a UCLA player right now. Is Darnay Holmes play for UCLA? Yeah, yeah, he only he only gave up about 180 yards to Dylan Mitchell. When Who they is played. the quarterback at UCLA? Uh, it's either Wilton Spate oh, of Michigan yeah, fame yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. or uh, Dorian Thompson Jeez. Robinson. All right, give me the Trojans just because I I know that they have better players, even though I I also know that they're terrible. I'll take I'll take the talent though. Okay, and then we wanted a Big Ten game, so I went ahead with Wisconsin, plus four and a half at Purdue. I like Wisconsin getting the points on the road. Purdue just laid a total egg last week against uh, Minnesota. I think the Jeff Brom rumors are swirling, perhaps getting to the team, and uh, I like Wisconsin to cover it. I also might like them to win outright, even though they might play their backup quarterback. Give me the Boilermakers. Uh, I'll go head-to-head with you. I, I really do kind of like that team. I've watched them a couple times this year. I think sometimes these coaching rumors things – get a little bit blown out of proportion. I think that that team had to kind of expect this to happen. Uh, I think some of it started to happen last year and nothing happened. Uh, so they're no stranger to kind of playing through this kind of speculation. I'll take Purdue. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about them just getting – I mean, they got smoked by Minnesota. They sure Minnesota is sport? not a good team. No, exactly. So that's why – that's what makes me uh, a little weary of that. Uh, Missouri – Six-point favorites going to Tennessee. Tennessee beat Kentucky last week. A very surprising result to uh, the two hosts of this podcast as Kentucky just looked terrible in that game. Uh, a lot of credit to Tennessee, though, for their their defensive game plan. I'm going to take Missouri. Drew Locke has historically uh, played very well against Tennessee over – I think he I, he might have played all four years. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, give me old uh, Drewski. Uh to, to have a big game. I will. Time. As sad as it was to see that happen to a great guy like Benny Snell last week. Give me, give, <laughs> give me the Tigers. Give me, you know, free beers and Harpo's. Give me the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought our boy, Benny, he's better than everybody. Just ask him. Uh, I guess he's not better than Tennessee though. Uh, all right. Let's jump into the topics, Rob. We should, we, when, when you're on the, ho- when you're on the show, Dave Lackford, continually tries to talk about Louisville, tries to bring them into every single topic. We've got feedback says, stop talking about Louisville. Nobody cares. They're completely irrelevant. Well, they make news this week. They fire Bobby Petrino on Sunday. And uh, based on the page view numbers, I would say there's a lot of interest. So <laughs> we will talk about them briefly. This We saw this coming. Did you find it all surprising, though, that when you look at his record, I mean, the first four seasons – they were very good. Do you think a coach – obviously, it's a case-by-case basis, but would you have fired him or would you have tried to keep him around for another year to see if he could Look, turn I, around? with him, I mean, isn't it – all right, that team needs good PR, and firing Bobby Petrino, rightly or wrongly, is good PR. Everybody hates the guy. Uh, they vilified him to an extent where, you know, he's like an evil 
an evil figure, uh, at least in the college football media. They've had an awful, awful offseason and season when it comes to PR. So, you know, I think uh, that's obviously if he's winning, they wouldn't fire him. That's just not how things work. But you get to replace him. You get the good PR by getting rid of him. Uh, I see why they did it. And I see why they did it early, too, with the way the new signing day kind of lines up. Uh, It does kind of behoove teams to fire their coaches early now. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of it. Uh, I would have probably gotten rid of him. Yeah. You know, he had Lamar Jackson for, for two of those years. Uh, and that team kind of fell off the cliff quickly when Lamar left. And I don't think that's a coincidence. What's so weird is like you go back and look at the when coaches were hired and it's like Bobby Petrino was hired like January 8th or something like think about that. Now we've got all these guys are getting fired in November and hired by mid December at the latest. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think how much that, that signing period in just one and a half, two years now has changed the whole dynamic of what, what schools have to do. We have, so we saw, you know, some news with Colorado potentially firing their coach, uh, this week as well, which, you know, depending on who you believe let, is let happening me ask you this. Have happening. you ever seen the college football media dance on a coach's grave the way they did with Petrino? No, they definitely were excited. I mean, I never, have you ever met him? I've never no, met him. No, I've never met him either. I've always, he's always been in different leagues and than I've covered and, and all that. Oh, I mean, but man, they were happy. I mean, it was, I mean, I understand he did some pretty morally questionable things. Uh, I just wonder what, I don't, I don't think he's particularly good with reporters. I think that also helps to it, but even coaches that have been notoriously scuzzy, I've not seen that level of applause when, when they lose their job. Yeah, it was pretty weird. I, I agree with you. I, I definitely, I definitely found it odd. I don't, you know, I, I've obviously heard some stories behind the scenes. We had the famous Matt Colburn story where he told him to gray shirt a day or two before signing day. He's been known to drop some recruits here and there. There's actually I, well, one revisionist history story I was told or I heard maybe on another podcast was he never even wanted Lamar Jackson. He had to be talked into taking him. I was like, I don't remember that from – it's one of these situations kind of like we touched on Florida State where once everything's over, then you can just say whatever you want. Like Jimbo Fisher created a toxic culture. I don't remember ever hearing about that before Jimbo Fisher left Florida State. And, and don't get me wrong. Bobby Petrino probably did some awful things. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying the guy was like a, a choir boy. I'm just saying it's amazing how many of these stories that everybody was, if they were real, were too scared to report when he was there. And now all of a sudden it was like, you know, he had a dungeon in his basement where he chained up people and whipped them. Well, here's why I don't buy Lamar Jackson. Okay, this is pretty simple. Now, you can you can agree. You can say, okay, look, if they took his commitment late – they didn't. They didn't have a quarterback they wanted, or something like that, right? Lamar Jackson committed to them uh, in August, which means they evaluated all their options at quarterback. They landed his commitment. Then they had to hold on to him through, you know, Florida. Everyone came calling late, so I just don't buy it that it was like all of a sudden he didn't want him. I, I, I and this is the leaks come out. This happens all the time in in your favorite sport, baseball. Where it's like, oh, you know, Grady Little gets fired as the manager of the Red Sox. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah, Grady Little was the worst person ever. He was an idiot. Why did we ever employ him? Blah, blah, blah. So I agree there's some of that in play. I just think this was – I think it was the right move. The team clearly quit. I mean, there's so many guys talking about transferring. There was – which – Actually, uh, I got to look at the transfer database. There was not 20 people in there, as was reported, but it's clear that that was told, that was put out there because they were paving the way for for him to get gone. And I, I think 
Now, though, if you don't get Jeff Brom, this this is definitely a hairy situation because there's not a clear second candidate. Do you, is there anyone that jumped to mind for you after Brom if they don't take him from Purdue? I would, if I was them, I would target somebody that's not quite getting fired. But I think Matt Rule is still a good coach. I know that seems insane. I think he signed up for a terrible situation at Baylor. I think he's one of these guys that could benefit from getting out of there now before he gets fired and might consider doing it and is still a good coach. Now, maybe not for Louisville. I think maybe for somebody uh, in the Northeast, closer to kind of where he's from. But maybe Louisville. I mean, I think that you get a guy like that that might be a season away from really being on a scorching hot seat that you still think has some value as a coach. Uh, and you scoop up a guy like that maybe. So uh- – Jeff Brom was on your list of you're not sure he's a good coach, right? And then I remember you texting me saying, no, you've you changed your mind. That was during the Ohio State game. Have you changed your mind No, again, I still think he's or? a good coach. I've changed my mind on he and Tom Herman. I have uh, As soon as I saw the text from Tom Herman, oh. I fully embraced. I'm team Tom Herman now after, okay, cool, hook him. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. Speaking of podcast emails, I will save this for the, we'll save this for the end. <laughs> you know, on board with Herman. I think <laughs> my, question, my question is, though, it's a it's a little weird if you look at Brom's record, especially this season. I feel like they've kind of taken a little step back. I think they're five and five. I mean, they lost they lost to Eastern Michigan. There's no doubt he's a good coach, but I I'm starting to feel like you about about him. Where it's like, are we sure? Yeah. That to be this fair, is when I sent you that text, I was still under the false impersonation that Ohio State was good. Turns out Ohio State's not good, right? So, yeah, I guess maybe I guess maybe the jury is still out on Brown. I'm just saying you're gonna have to pay him. You're gonna have to pay him five million a year for. You're gonna have to guarantee this guy like thirty five million bucks. Plus you're paying, plus you're paying fifteen to. This is a fifty million dollar investment in Jeff Brown you're making. Well, I just don't know who option B is. Like you said, I mean, I don't. There isn't Les Miles. He's not already the head coach at Kansas. Well, here's what I wrote in the uh, article. I put Charlie Strong on there. <laughs> Why not? Bring him back. You brought Petrino back once. It's not like Charlie Strong didn't have success there. Do you think he'd go back? Could you see that? I don't know if he would go back. I, I think I think he could succeed at a Power 5 program. I think he knows he has the blueprint at Louisville. I do wonder, is he content? I mean, is he content at UCF or USF? Excuse me. Boy, look at that. was a bad one. But uh, – I don't know. They're they're having a decent season. They started out hot. I think they've lost a few games in a row. Uh, That's not as crazy as some people probably thought it was. I I can see it happening. But Purdue's obviously going to – if they're in a situation where they have to hire a coach, it's going to be tougher. They're going to have to go with a young guy. They're going to probably have to go with an unproven guy. But at least now they have a little bit of a blueprint of, okay, we saw what Braum was able to do. This is the kind of guy – almost like UCF did when they had to replace – Frost, they went and got Hypel, another young offensive mind, and try to keep things going and not shake things there's up too much. Speaking of Hypel, there's something about his facial expressions that frustrate me. I don't know if he just like he he continually looks like he's trying to solve an algebra equation. He looks like somebody. I can't figure out who he looks like. I like I I know he looks like somebody like me from a TV show or yeah. He's definitely. He's definitely uh, uh, peculiar. And as I, I remember somebody telling me, uh, one of my friends who went to UCF when he got hired was, uh, was at least, you know, at least he's more, he's got a lot of experience. He's older. I was like, no, he's, he's younger than Scott Frost. Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, yes, he is. He's younger than Scott Frost. Uh, sorry, uh, people. He's he. Uh, not everybody can be uh, like Frost in terms yeah, he's of. He's just not uh, as jacked as Scott Frost. Yeah. yeah, aging well, being jacked. Yeah, Frost is a jacked coach. I, I heard Mike Leach talking about who would win in a fight in the Pac-12 coaches. Uh, and that was one of his I know we're kind of getting off topic here, but can we talk about how everybody acted like that was the most insane thing they've ever heard? Like Mike Leach is so crazy. Can you believe he talked about this? I'm like, that is a normal conversation that normal people joke about. Like, that's not that weird. Well, I saw your, uh, I saw your tweet, which seemed to get a lot of attention. I would, I would say he is, I would say he is a little, he is odd. a little odd, but he's not like that itself. Like the conversation about who would win in a fight, him engaging in that is not that weird. Well, what's not what's not that weird is if it's not like he brought it up. They ask they every week they ask him questions to try to get him on. It's like we used to have this substitute teacher, Mister Simpson, and everybody knew that if you could just get him started talking about something uh, like uh, mainly the war, I think it was the Korean War, he would go on and on and just tell stories for all of class, right? <laughs> so. If you're at the press conference there, once you get what you need from Leach, which is, hey, you know, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. If you can get him off topic in your local TV station, you can get a nice sound bite. You can, you can edit it a little bit. You ever notice those videos that come out, they have like B-roll and stuff in them. Like it's not just him talking. Like they, he was talking about crystal ball and then it goes to B-roll of crystal ball. They know what they're doing. And then guess what? That gets a ton of uh, page views. It gets a ton of views on Twitter. And everybody wins. So that's all it is. And and he he knows the game. And most of the time, he's in a good mood. He's willing to talk because guess what? It's boring to sit up there and talk about the same Plus, thing. Plus, yeah, they don't like talking about their team. And But for people to act like, can you believe how wild and wacky Mike Leach is? I'm like, they asked him a question. He answered the question. And instead of not being like a boring milk toast coach, he just engaged the guy and indulged him. And that's all he did. And we're just acting like it's the craziest, most unheard of thing in the history of the world. I noticed yesterday that Nick Saban came out and talked about Veterans Day uh, and how he knew it was Veterans Day. You found that interesting that he remember he didn't know it was oh, the election. Oh, that's right. He's he's <laughs> you know he's a stand for the anthem type. I'm sure. Well, no, I'll just say it's just interesting when they pay attention to the calendar and <laughs> when they uh, don't. When they yeah. don't. So, uh, anyway, moving on, uh, we could talk briefly about Colorado. Mike McIntyre appears to be getting fired. He came out yet. I didn't realize yesterday when he came out to talk, he was holding a picture of a Buffalo. Did you see this? I did not. I saw the reports that he was getting fired and I love him uh, for reasons we can talk about later. So he came out saying, he came out and said, Oh, Buffalo is the only animal that walks, uh, walks into the storm. And he had, and he, but, and I read the quote and I was like, okay, you know, he's, using an analogy to talk about himself. But then I saw a picture and he's like holding a painting of a <laughs> buffalo. <laughs> and that's when I said, okay, he's getting fired. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, I, I can't. He's holding it. Google it if you haven't seen it. He's holding a giant painting of a buffalo in the snow. Hey, Buffalo, what are you doing? Why are you walking into the store? These I mean, guys, guys all get like time. really introspective when they're about to get fired. I remember Ron Prince right after he got it came out and gave this monologue about how the human spirit is indomitable. It, I mean, it was it was really good. Yeah. I like McIntyre. I don't know I, who I they I don't know who they hire there. He's always been great to me. Uh he's I as accommodating as any coach with the media in the history of the world, probably. I don't know where so Colorado I'm, I'm, goes. 
so I was working on that. That's the story I was working on when we started this. I have on my list Jim Levitt, okay. uh, which he was the defensive coordinator there and would probably gladly go back. Uh, they've mentioned Les Miles because he worked there. Which I think he's getting the Kansas job uh, based on people I've talked to. Uh, your boy, Eric Bieniemy, who we remember was a famous running back there. He worked there before. He's the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs right now, so he's pretty hot. Uh, Matt Wells, the Utah State coach. Then I have Jeff Tedford, who uh, obviously had success in the Pac-12 at Cal, and now he's at Fresno State where they're having a very good season. So any of those names jump out at you? I want to know why we think the Kansas job is more – if Les Miles has his pick of jobs, we, we assume he's going to pick KU? Well, you know, sources close to me say that him and uh, Jeff Long have a relationship dating back decades and that uh, I think when they made the decision to fire David Beatty that they already had a, a little wink-wink agreement uh. with Les. So that that's what I was told today. Sources close to the situation. This is not reporting. Uh, <laughs> if you want reporting, actual reporting, check out our Kansas site, jayhawkslant.com. Find a new slant, Rob. That's the one you want. Uh, but that's what I'm told. So my money's on that. I, I think it's going to be a done deal before the Colorado job maybe even comes open. But I, I'm not even the Chiefs you know, guys. The enemy, they're the best team in the history of football now all of a sudden. Right. Now, he worked there before, I think under the last coach or maybe two coaches ago, and it was a disaster. But John guess what? Henry, you go I to the NFL. the name of that coach? Yeah, God, what a what a disaster. The the reason why I wouldn't fire McIntyre, I said this. I mean, they did start five and zero, and it was like it's a soft schedule, and like you know, okay, so what? If they didn't blow the game to Oregon State, they'd be six and four right now, and they win one more, and then they go seven and five. I do think there is some value in saying, okay, look, McIntyre took us from being a total laughing stock to being average. Now we need the guy to take us from average to good. I do sort of like that thinking, but I don't know. I just, I just feel like if there's not an obvious, uh, if there's not an obvious option, like, and there isn't one based on that list I just gave you, then you, you just let it ride, man. Like go look, go pick your, okay, Rob, name a coach for me. Name a coach during our lifetime that you consider to be super successful. Can be still coaching. Let's or can just be take retired? Nick Saban then. That's okay. the easiest. All right. So Nick Saban. And let's look up his year-by-year coaching record. So if we go back to, let's see, I guess we would use the Michigan State job as an example. Listen to to his years as a coach. 1995, 6-5-1. 1996, 6-6. 1997, 7-5. 1998, 6-6. He's getting fired if this is this year, right? Probably, yes. After the fourth season of six yeah. and six, then in his next year he goes nine and two. Okay, and he turns that into the uh, LSU job uh, in two thousand, where he went eight and four, ten and three, eight and five. He might get fired after that eight and five season. I mean, Les Miles did. <laughs> right. Then he goes thirteen and one and nine and three. Then he goes to the NFL, and everybody kind of talks about uh, Alabama, where his first year. I don't understand. He was two and six in his first year. They only played eight games or what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe did he take over in the middle of the season? 
I don't I don't think so. Oh, it was seven and six, but the NCAA ruled Alabama's vacate victories uh, from uh, textbook related infractions. Wow. Oldest trick in the book. So that's why he was seven and six that first year. So uh, then he obviously didn't get fired because he's won ten plus games every year since. But my point is. If you look at those first four years for Nick Saban back in the 90s, if if instead of from 1995 to 1998, that was 2015 to 2018, I think he gets fired. Yeah, probably. If like, not, he's on an extremely he hot bowl. seat. Right. They went six and six and didn't even make a bowl. But I'll tell you what, That's at the very least, he's on top of you know these hot seat rankings that come out once a week by 10 different media outlets for no reason. He's definitely on those lists. Yeah, I, I just I think it's I think it's a little overblown. If you want to fire him, that's fine. There's been some off-field issues totally for uh there's definitely been off-field issues that we've seen at Colorado. You can look them up. Uh so he's not without reproach, but if you decided to keep him after those surfaced, why why do you make the the difference now if there's no new information? I guess you're just saying it's not worth it combined since he's not really winning on the field. I, I just think it's tough when you don't have an obvious candidate like, you know, like Nebraska with Frost or, or Louisville with Brom. You know, you got to have a guy in mind if you're going to go out and do this. So anyway, we can move on from Colorado. Uh, Florida, this is something I want to talk to you about, Rob. Dan Mullen's been talking a lot about attendance. We've heard Nick Saban talk about this earlier in the year. We get attendance complaints. Oh, the fans aren't there. And this past weekend we had Florida. I saw some pictures before kickoff. Oh, it's empty. It sounded pretty loud by the time the game was going on, but then we had Felipe Frank scoring touchdowns and then shushing his own crowd. Did you I see, did that? see that? I love that. I personally yeah, loved it. People are like, <laughs> right, trolling, trolling your own fans. I mean, <laughs> that is definitely out of the Walmart. But don't you think if people are like he's got to be more mature than that? Oh, this is an athlete. Show some class. These people pay your salary. Oh, wait, you don't get a salary. Uh, <laughs> they are salary. Can, can you imagine what Felipe Frank's Twitter looks like after a game? I know. <laughs> Do you ever just go search somebody's name? Do you ever just go search a player's name? I have name? done it before. In, in certain circumstances, it's pretty bad. Okay, so like – you know what? Forget it. We're, we're, we've gone down. I, yeah, I was going to say, are we, are we doing attendance? We're doing we're doing Felipe trolling the Gators fans. They're all linked together. We're doing all of the above. Yeah, we're doing all of the above because I, the attendance you know, thing is going to go a problem. It's a football. It's a sports problem because people have realized that watching the game at home is much more comfortable. Uh, there's a video here from November 11th, which is uh, what day of the week was that? Today's the 14th. Yeah, there's a video from earlier in the week of. Felipe Frank's arguing with people on the street here and looks like in Gainesville. <laughs> it is so, you. It's you in yeah. athlete form. Right. Exactly. Uh, let's see. We go back. Um, Luke Del Rio wrote this on the fifth. Call me crazy, but I honestly believe that if Dan Mullen starts Felipe Franks this week, then he's at serious risk of losing the fan base. By the way, we had a request to have Del Rio on the podcast, so I can make that happen. I just, yeah, I can probably him. get up to but it's just like I, I don't know. It's it's so weird. Um, the, as we go back, as we go back through these. I'm trying. Are we to talking find about Franks or the attendance now? Let's talk about okay. Franks. Let's talk about Franks because because there's a lot of he's he's taking a lot of heat. I personally think that these guys have any right they want 
to do whatever they want, don't you? <laughs> I mean, is that so hard? If you can sit here and call Felipe Franks an idiot and a loser and tweet at him and tell him he's stupid, is he? Well, he was getting booed first of all. Like his own fans were booing him. So if you can show up and boo the unpaid athlete, then the unpaid athlete can shush you. That's the social contract. That's that's what you sign up for. Yeah, I just I, we just go down this path and we just decide it's okay to just kill certain players every year. It's like it's like Felipe Franks has become the Blake Bortles of of football of a college football, and I just. I don't know. I, I, for some reason, and you could say, oh, it's college athletes. Well, if, guess what? If, if if you tweeted, what if you tweeted Felipe Franks is trash? What do you think would happen? <laughs> I'd probably get fired. Right. You definitely get in trouble. It's like, you know, the, the guys tweeted him. The guys tweet, people tweeted him and call him an idiot. This, you know, this is F, this is effing embarrassing. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. Felipe, do what you want to do. Now, the second thing is, let's get to the attendance. Um, do you think this is a major issue in college football? Do you think people It's the sports are, issue in think- general. It's not just college football. I wouldn't – I mean, it is a lot more comfortable. Now, you're always going to get the students because there's nothing cooler than getting wasted at 8 a.m. in the morning in a parking lot and going to a game. I don't think it's a student attendance problem. It's the young alumni and the older alumni where – I would rather stay at home and watch the game than go to a game in any sport, really, unless it's a huge game. If it's a playoff game or a title game or a conference championship game or an elimination game, I understand that. But I think for just a run-of-the-mill Saturday afternoon game in Gainesville, uh, especially with this team that's kind of mediocre, people are going to just stay home and watch it, right? I would. And don't get me started on in the Midwest where it's freezing cold outside. You think I'm going to go stand in that? There's no way. (laughs) Well, you and I have never – have you ever been – you go to other sports games. I don't go to any. I like going to games, yeah. I mean, I don't – I go to big games. You know, I go to Mets playoff games. I like going to hockey games. I, but if given the opportunity to just stay home and not have to drive two hours to a game, I'm going to stay home. I don't like going to any games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hate to say it. I, I hate driving there. I hate uh, – I hate – I hate every fan at the game. <laughs> I just, I, I'm trying to. Last game I went to was probably watch the Hawks play against the Bucks, and it was fine. But it's just like it's a pretty sterile atmosphere. College football games can be fun when there's a lot of people there, but like yeah, but you want to talk about hating every fan at the game. You hate football fans. I mean, they're the worst. At least baseball fans just shut right. up and watch the game. You don't have them, you know, screaming obscenities at the unpaid. Right. They're all just looking at their phone, almost getting hit. In the I went to the All-Star <laughs> Game. This is a true story. I went to the Home Run Derby, which is pretty exciting to be at. I had a good time at the Home Run Derby. And there was a man in front of me buying a uh, one of those, like, uh, what do they call those things? They're not pressure cookers, but they, they're like uh, rice cooking things. I don't know. Everybody has them. Oh, yeah. like, I don't know. They have a name. Uh, and he was down there. He spent probably a good 30 minutes reading the Amazon reviews for this rice cooker he was buying while Aaron Judge is just crushing home runs. It was really impressive. All right, yeah. Let me get an Instapot. Was it an Instapot? It was an Instapot. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I, I think it is an issue, but I also think that a lot of these stadiums are overbuilt for 100,000 people. And I personally enjoy the games. The stadiums I like going to games in are like 45,000 people. Um, I mean, I've been to several games at the Swamp, and it's definitely cool when the crowd's cheering and whatnot, and the open-air press box is 1,000 degrees as you sit outside, <laughs> cover a game, sweating in a shirt and tie. 
But I don't know. I just think these coaches chiding the fans every game is just—it's not gonna—it's just—it's not a good look. I don't—I don't think it helps in recruiting either because recruits don't know anything. And, and if you go out there and you've got video clips of you complaining about the fans on Twitter every week, how does that? What's the upside there? You think fans are gonna be like, "I'm gonna show him. I'm coming to the game." <laughs> I think uh, I take my money. Right. I mean, do some do some marketing. Appeal to the. Pro- I think you're better off, you know, investing money in marketing the program and really putting, you know, more, a bigger social media presence and saying, "Hey, we need you guys there." Instead of saying, you know, coming out and scolding uh, fans. So anyway, we got to we got to keep this moving because uh, we have a lot to do. <laughs> Did you want to talk about this Miami CIA story that, that you sent me? <laughs> I just that think it's funny. I don't know that I have anything enlightening to say about it. Other than okay, hold on, let's. Let's bring the people up to speed on it. Let me find the tweet that you sent. So this is what weird thing about this is a really weird thing about Miami. And it's hard to articulate this. Everybody in South Florida, Rob, you can back this up. Everyone has an opinion on what should happen, who should be the coach. And a lot of them which, think that, right? and the thing is, a lot of that's no different. A lot of them think that their opinion matters. Like Uncle Luke thinks that his opinion matters to the Miami administration. The only two left crew, that Uncle Luke. So does every right. former Miami player uh, thinks that they are the athletic director. It's really something, more so than any other school. Okay, so so here's the story from our boy Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald. <laughs> Hurricanes fans aren't the only ones exasperated at their team's predicament. So are some of their former star players. Several have expressed frustration in recent days, and Randall Hill is so angry with the Canes that he oddly threatened to reveal state secrets if Mark Rick doesn't make changes. I will give him time to make changes, Hill, a former Homeland Security agent said in a rant on a radio show on Tuesday. And if he doesn't, then I will start divulging what I really know. What can they do to me? I'm already in the Miami Hall of Fame. This is what I don't get. Why did they note that he was a former Homeland Security agent? Like, what does that have to do with literally anything in the story? What, what does he really know? Well, is he A, and it's not really specified if he's talking about Miami secrets or like Homeland Security secrets. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, Warren Sapp. Taking shots on Twitter. It's official. The U is dead under Mark Richt. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> these are all guys. All these former players were at Paradise Camp this year supporting Mark Richt and telling all these players to come to the school. Now it's over. Hey, do you know who else is a former Miami player, Rob? Who? Mark Richt. <laughs> Mark Richt. <laughs> How about Mark Richt says Mark Richt should still be the coach. I mean <laughs> – I just, you imagine I think how annoying it would be to be a football coach and just to wake up and be like, oh, some former player is blackmailing me because I'm not starting the guy he wants at quarterback. I mean, that would just be so annoying. Well, here's what here's what I would – you know what I would you, do. Yeah, he would defecate in his front yard. No, they'd all be black. None of them would ever get in again. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, you need to take – Warren Sapp, you're never allowed to come to a game anyway, which Warren Sapp has his own issues. Uh, Google that if you want to get into some of those. I just think that it's it's bigger in Miami because everybody is still there. Like, you know, like you said, the, you, you went to Kansas State. Well, guess what? You know, Michael Bishop isn't on the, on the local radio. He's not living on the golf course in Culver Hills. 
Right, exactly. All the Miami players stay in Miami because it's Miami and they all know people in the media and they all or they work in the media. And it's so much easier for them to be like, hey, let me call up, you know, someone at the Herald or let me go on a radio station and blast the coach. Because the bottom line is, is they're just fans. Now, Mark Richt has underperformed this year. The, the bottom line with Miami is they need a quarterback. Now, the, the biggest predicament they always face is there are no quarterbacks down there. Uh, and I saw, uh, well, except for like, our friend Jackson or half the guys that get away <laughs> that end up being good at other schools. Well, right. But I mean, there's definitely been some more lately, but it's like he, Mark Rick wasn't there to recruit Lamar Jackson. So who, you know, who did he miss? Who has he missed on since yeah. really? I mean, nobody, I mean, Jack Allison, who was there and left Felipe Frank. But the bottom line is. <laughs> Yeah, Felipe Franks is from Florida. I mean, you, you didn't miss on that many guys. Now, they're, the guys they have now, Nicosi Perry, who's from Florida, Malik Rozier, who who is from Alabama, who I think – I don't think Rick even recruited him. I think they, they got the Cade him. Weldon kid from Tampa too. He's also – he's like an afterthought for whatever reason. Nobody even <laughs> mentions his name. The problem is none of those guys were supposed to be – You know, they were all th- borderline. Oh, they three, got your boy. They're from Kentucky star. too, right? The guy that used to be committed to Kentucky. Yeah, Jaron Williams. Now, the, my question is, I asked this on the Miami board on our site on canesport.com, which uh, has a lot of Miami coverage for us if you want to check it out. I asked them, what is the deal with Jaron Williams? I mean, if they're that bad, if all these other guys are so bad, why hasn't he played at all? Uh, and I didn't really get a, a good answer. I think he will. Maybe he'll see some more time. I was always, you know, a little dubious of uh, Jaron, and he blocked me on Twitter because he didn't like his rank. <laughs> <laughs> his thing was, why is Trevor Lawrence ranked ahead of me? And I was like, well, uh, Jaron, I hate to tell you this, but Trevor Lawrence is ranked ahead of everyone because he's And he's awesome, the best football player you know? ever. Who do they want? Right. You know, if, 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 if it's over and Mark Richt has lost the team and we got to get rid of him, who, who's next? Nick Saban? Warren Sapp? Maybe we should hire Warren thing. Sapp to be the head coach in Miami or Uncle Luke. <laughs> Okay, here's what we do. We just take it. We just take you and I pick all the best seven on seven coaches in Florida and make them make them. We build a staff. Okay? We'd be a pretty good recruiting staff, though. We make Patrick Sertain uh, senior the head coach. He would be my He'd be a good head coach. <laughs> he's my head coach. I think we make him the head coach. We bring back Kevin Beard, who I don't know where he's coached these days. We bring him in. You want to talk about you want to talk about a recruiting class? They'd they'd get everybody. Well, yeah, and then we've already got Cooney on staff. We could bring in we have to bring in for somebody from the Express. You could put Sean Rose or Brett Getz on there in a positional coach. That's what I'm saying. You know, Getz, Getz is more of a, a athletic director type. I don't think we have him. As well, he's on there. Coach. I mean, he's, today he's really going in after Brett McMurphy. There's been a whole. I mean, it's the, the state of South Florida football recruiting right now is a disaster. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean that's not even on the list. It is the stuff with Grimes and and whatever's going on with McMurphy. Well, that, it is on the list briefly. Uh, let's see. You got to go. How are we doing on time? We could talk about it real fast. All right. Let's move on to that. Uh, Miami's a mess. All of They're all a mess. I'm going to be curious to see how it shakes out. We've talked about yeah, it before. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk, about, talk about State. That. I mean, maybe that's, that's who somebody can hire. Louisville can try to hire. They can hire Willie before they run him out of Tallahassee. It would be great if Willie left his school again after one year. I would I love, would love it. I would like, love fine, it. you don't want me, I'll leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zach Smith, the former Ohio State uh, coach, we've had a we had a big story this week from Brett McMurphy quoting uh, Trevon Grimes' dad saying that they got into a, a racially charged altercation, which is one of the reasons uh, Grimes left Ohio State and transferred back home. McMurphy's taken a ton of heat from everybody 
Now, you and I talked about this on the phone. I, I'm not sure uh, after reading the story, I'm not sure if I would have felt comfortable that I had enough there to publish it. But I mean, if somebody tells you something, <laughs> I mean, the dad said it. Now, you got into some you got into some stuff about, you know, his mom that she really had cancer and now somebody said she got fired from her job because of it, which uh, I'm not I haven't followed up on that. <laughs> I just, so absurd. I, <laughs> It's it's really and I, we don't want to get because we don't know we don't know why Grimes left we know he left abruptly I mean a lot of that stuff lines up I you know we knew his mom when when we were covering recruiting I don't know if she you know if she someone says they has that they had cancer I'm, I tend to take their word for it <laughs> you know like uh, I don't think it's something that you joke about or, or make up just so he could not sit out a year of football like I, I that part was a little dubious to me. But the bottom line is, as a reporter, if if someone comes to you and says something and you report that and attribute the quotes to them, that doesn't mean you've made up a story or it's fake news. Yeah, and there's the happy like, balance. I mean, A, you don't have to – it's irresponsible to report everything somebody tells you. But if it's the player – it's the father of the player involved <laughs> and then people are like, oh, Brett McMurphy's grinding an axe. He's made up a fake story and it's like – he's quoting somebody. If, anybody, if you're mad at anybody, if anybody is lying, it's not Brett McMurphy. <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, and the, the article I read, sort of breaking the story, was like, "Oh, you know, Leah Grimes gave this story, which gave this quote, which she was clearly, you know, badgered to give." And it's like, okay, <laughs> I think we're jumping. Well, hold on, where did you there, read so. this story? I love Ohio State dot com. No, it was on like awful announcing, and it was written surprise, surprise by an Ohio State alum. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that we support Brett McMurphy, and I didn't write the story. I didn't report the story. Now, I would have, I would have not gone forward with that story unless I could get people to corroborate it, or if I could get Grimes to talk about it, either on or off the record. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't think this this narrative of you know we need to attack McMurphy is is necessarily accurate either. I think I think if if I were him. I'd probably just drop it at this point. Um, but at the same time, as a reporter, you and I both know that you can be intimidated by people and you're trying not to sort of back down. And I think that's where he is. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think 100%. But, you know, no matter what he does now, he comes off looking petty. Uh, it's already, I mean, there's no end game here. No matter what he does, he could have pictures of Urban Meyer choking a baby at this point. And Ohio State's not going to fire Urban Meyer. Nothing is going to happen. It does not matter. He right. just needs to drop it. If they were going to fire him, they would have fired him the, the first round. Uh, he just comes off looking petty, I think, if he keeps this up. Rightly or wrongly. All right. So everybody needs to move on. I mean, you know, I understand Zach Smith has got his issues and whatnot. And some well, of the things he's a complete maniac. Crazy. It's not he's got his issues. He's completely lost it. Right. I, I just think, I just think if you're, you know, unless you have, the player, unless Trevon Grimes comes out and says, Hey, this is what happened. You know, we can say these people said it didn't happen. These people said it did. Zach Smith doesn't work there anymore. And to say that, you know, Urban Meyer covered the headline was that Urban Meyer covered it up. It's like, well, covered it up from who? I don't, you know, I don't really know who he covered it up from because if Trevon Grimes was allowed to leave the team and now Zach Smith is fired, then what are we talking about? What do you about? think Zach Smith's next so, job is? I mean, I think he's on the fast track to Handler City. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's definitely going to be a handler uh, in Ohio. Uh, pro- <laughs> Hopefully, we don't have to cross paths with him. But yeah, he's definitely going to start doing his own training, coaching, yeah. uh, seven on seven team, etc. So, uh, before we move on, we do have to we have to get to this this Mike Gundy situation because we've been playing a clip every week and uh, it's been Gundy a lot. So let's go and let's hear Mike Gundy talk about these transfers. And uh, let's get Rob's thought on it because it really made me really made me laugh. Well, I think we live in a world where people are non-committal. We we allow liberalism to say, "Hey, I can just do what I want, and I don't have to really be tough and fight through it." And you see that with with young people um, because it's an option they're given. We weren't given that option when we were growing up. We were told what to do. We did it the right way or um, you go figure it out on your own. In in the world today, there's a lot of entitlement. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the snowflake. I'm talking about every millennial young person, Generation Z, I think is what they call them. Um, That's the world we live in because if they say, well, it's a little bit hard, then we say, okay, well, let's go try something else versus, hey, let's let's bear down and let's fight through this. So you see a lot of that nowadays. I'm a firm believer in the terms. He checked every box of every single person with a bald eagle avatar on Twitter that's ever called me a cuss word. <laughs> I mean, he just went, it's like a checklist. It's, he just went through liberalism, snowflake, uh, hard work, uh, Generation Z, millennial. I mean, he checked them all off. If Mike Gunny was on Twitter, he would have a picture of his dog and an American flag in his bio. There's no doubt about it. Okay. So, did you know? This is a good one. Did you know that Mike Cundy decommitted from Oklahoma and committed to Oklahoma State? <laughs> well, I know he tries to decommit from Oklahoma State every offseason and take a new job until he gets right. a raise. Okay. Now, this is where you really run into issue. Oklahoma State has 18 transfers on their roster. So, you can't, you can't come out and do this, say this stuff when you participate in it, right? I mean, you can. I mean, nobody is smart anymore. I don't think anybody understands that there's records of these things. And like, if he thinks that reporters are too lazy to look it up, or I, I, I don't know. I, I thought I liked Mike Gundy. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, he. I mean, he's gone off the rails. And once again, he makes some good. He does. There are things he said in there that are true. I mean, you and I both know that that these recruits are more and more entitled every year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Some guys leave situations way too early. We see we see players leave and then somebody gets hurt and it's like, well, yeah, you left because you weren't the starter. You would have been the starter if you would have just stayed, right? Yeah, that definitely happened. So it's like, uh, right? It's like, but it's not his place to complain makes- about it. Is the thing is it is that part true? Yes, but is it a good look to tell unpaid laborers what to do with their life when you you decommitted to? And I just, it's just not a good look for him. Yeah, I just think listen, if somebody if somebody asks me about someone who transfers or whatever, I'm saying I'm mad he transferred. I wanted him to stay on the team. We could have used him. I think he's making a bad choice, but he's free to leave and we're letting him go. I mean, I would have no problem with him saying that. But once you get into this, it, it, you know, you get into the using these political terms and people call me a snowflake and stuff and you know, I think uh <laughs> I think uh, I would not classify myself in that group, I would say. I don't get offended by a whole lot. So I don't know. I th- I just think it's it's a tough situation. It's just not a good look. Mike Gundy, you, like you said, you flirt with other schools every year 
you know, you almost took the Tennessee job. So are you being non-committal? If you were so committed, wouldn't you just say, no, I'm not interested. I have a contract and I'm sticking to it. We should have known this was coming, right? When the, the, the guy from the guy that's lived in Oklahoma forever cut his hair into a mullet, I, I, we, should, we should have kind of seen the snowflake rant coming. So that's kind of on us. Well, like I said, but I just, I just don't know what is the upside of these coaches who constantly are talking about, you know, oh, the players don't, 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 don't give in to the media, don't do this. I mean, I love it when they say stuff like this because it gives us something to talk about. But what, what is the upside in saying, oh, these players are all soft and and they quit too soon? <laughs> it's like, okay, Gramps, I want to go play for that guy. <laughs> um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So. Gundy's been on a real roll lately, and I think they're having a tough season. That doesn't help. But uh, come on, man, you're not you're not doing yourself any favors. This is like when our boy, uh, who who almost won the conference, Virginia Bronco Mendenhall. Remember when he said he didn't have any good players on his team, and then he went into something. <laughs> so, right out of the Charlie White's playbook. I don't have any good players. Yeah. So, uh, all right, now it's time uh, for tweet of the week, and I'm trying to remember. I, I did get into an argument with a custard stand. <laughs> That's the most 2018 <laughs> sentence. Did he ever respond to your yeah, yeah, yeah. to yours? Yeah, he he offered me to come get some free some free custard. So uh, he says he's got four because he said, "Oh, you know, it's funny you mentioned five because that's the amount of players you have ranked in the state of Kansas." And I said, "Yeah, well, that's two more than your star rating on Yelp." Uh, <laughs> At which, at which, because I looked it at which point he said, no, we have four stars. Um, so, yeah, we went back and forth on that one. So you can go go check that out. And, and one of our listeners definitely chimed in and said, custard is the beta male version of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was fun. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. That was uh Stockton slash is his uh, is his Twitter handle. He's always chiming in on stuff. I I don't know if I agree with that. Custard's pretty heavy. I feel like frozen yogurt would be a beta male. Like uh, version I, you getting in a fight with a custard stand is just I mean, it's just a, that's just where we are, man. Well, you know, I've cleaned up my Twitter act. I keep uh, I, you know, I try to I try to keep things you know above above Irish more. pub on Twitter years ago when I was uh, when I was on the K State beat. I would get engaged by, a, by an Irish pub that would fight with me, but never a custard stand. I, I just feel like, I just feel like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Like if you run a corporate, I never, I get, I get mad about this from like college for like pro football talk, which I guess is Mike Florio running the account. But when you have an account that doesn't have your name on it, like, you know, if it doesn't say Rob Cassidy, like, then why are you like tweeting a bunch of opinions and stuff like that? And like, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely. I just I don't know who you are. Like you're like, oh, this guy needs to do this. It's like, well, well, who are you? <laughs> I'm fighting with a carpet cleaning company. Right. Like just just be your own person and tweet from that account. I don't I don't get it. Um, I had anyway that that that's that's I had a good tweet of the week and I can't find it. I'm going through. Uh, I'm going through a lot of things that have cuss words in them, and I can't read. Yeah, well, them we got to wrap so this thing are... up, so we may have to skip through. Oh, we got to go. Well, I mean, we got some time. Well, do you have any? Do you have? Uh, let's see, rants or recommendations? You got anything? Uh, I've been real. Sh- uh, I watched something last night. Oh, I was uh, laying in bed watching CNN's The Nineties. I, I don't know really how I feel about it yet. It's just an interesting nostalgia watch, I guess. Uh, I think they've broken it up into like it's a mini series, 
and I think they've done it for different decades and they've broken it up into, you know, different kind of categories. And the first one that I watched last night was television. It was interesting kind of relive the birth of the Simpsons and uh, the birth of HBO and their dramas and everything else that happened in the nineties. And I found it to be pretty interesting. I mean, it's not anything that if you live through the decade, you're not going to be enlightened by it. But if you're one of those people that enjoys a every once in a while dose of nostalgia, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'll probably finish it. Well, so here's what, here's what I've got. I guess a little bit of a rant, I guess. That show was on like last year on CNN. Yeah, I know it was right? on at some point. I, I just but, didn't watch it. But you're, you're the second person this week that's been like, hey, have you seen I this? I think they're it's pushing like, it. No, I think what they're doing is they're, they're like uh, – they're re-pushing it on Netflix because like, it's in the suggested for you section or the new on Netflix section. So it might be new to Netflix. But yeah, I do remember when it was on last year. I just didn't watch it. Right. But we're in a situation now where nobody knows when anything's on anymore. Right. Like my cousin was here last week, two weekends ago, staying. He's like 16 or 17. And I was talking about, oh, have you seen the new season of some show? And he's like, no, nah, it hasn't came out yet. And I was like, no, nah, it, it already aired. But if it's like, if it's not on Netflix, people don't know it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it exists. Yeah, I guess we're getting that way. I mean, there's certain shows I still watch live. I still watch The Good Place live and American Horror Story live. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You, you quit The Good Place famously. Saying you started season two and you refuse to watch it, you're out. So no, now- I'm going to finish it. I'm back. I don't have enough to watch because I don't watch. You know, I don't watch a lot of the same things that everybody else does. There's really nothing on right now that live that I'm watching besides that and American Horror Story. Neither of which are particularly great, but it's the best I got working for me right now. Well, I just remember you you saying you loved. You went on and on about how you loved the Good Place. The first one was great. The second one was great. This new season has been a little bad. I I didn't sign up to watch these. I didn't sign up to watch these people function on Earth. I func- I signed up to watch them in a fantasy realm, right? Well, but you watched one episode of the second season and said, "That's it." I'm no, not I guess, you I guess, me. I guess sucked back in. <laughs> okay, all right. That's that's what that's why I'm lost in this because I famously remember you just giving up after. That might uh, be the only thing I watched the nights it come out. That and, and American Horror Story, which is also which is also admittedly not good. Those things are always a little bit long. Like they start out pretty. It's like they could, if they subtracted four episodes from every season, the show would be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> the problem is you, you can only maintain them being fake being in heaven. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why everything is so dragged out. It's okay to have a short season. Well, they have, they already have a short season compared to normal network. No, I'm shows. talking about American Horror Story now. Oh, no, I'm way out on that show. Some uh, of them are better than others. I, I it's just, like I said, it, I it's always too long. All right. So I don't know if I have any other rants other than the one I just said. What did I have on the sheet? I got nothing on the sheet, but I'm sure I have something you on didn't, my you didn't famous scream at an old lady or anything like that this week? No, I've been uh, – I got really mad today when I – they've pushed us. A lot of these places have pushed you to use apps, right, like Starbucks mm-hmm. and Chick-fil-A and – you know, other corporate entities, right? So they tell you, hey, use our app and put load money on it. Use that to pay. And that's how you get rewards. Now, do you do it at any places? Uh, Smoothie King. That's it. Okay. So have you ever gone to do it? And they're like, like today I went to do it at one of them, not one of the ones I named. And it says I have nineteen dollars on there. I go to pay, they scan it, and they go, "Nah, it's it's insuff- it's insufficient funds." <laughs> no, it's never like, happened to me. Well, it says nineteen dollars on the screen. I don't know what to tell you. 
Now, that's obviously an Atlanta issue uh, tied in, tied in, with, <laughs> tied in with the app issue. But you have no recourse. It's basically like them saying it, it's the equivalent of you handing them twenty dollars and being like, "Nah, that's not twenty dollars." It's counterfeit, right? Because I have your app. Okay, you get you told me to download this app and load my good money onto it. You said do that, so now I have done such. My my money is gone from my bank account onto an app on my phone in the ether. And if I the the only place that money is now good is at your store and you tell me it's not good. So hold on. are you alleging that they're are you alleging that they're stealing from you? That you really do think that there is funds on here and that the app's not just wrong? Well, it doesn't matter if the app's it, okay, if the app's wrong. Whose fault is that? It's not my app. <laughs> I loaded my money onto the app. I'm I'm relying on you. This is like this is like me having a hundred dollars in my checking account on my debit card, and I go to pay, and they say, "No, there's not a hundred dollars in there." And I say, "Yes, there is," and they say, "Nope, there's not." I mean, the whole currency system could break down over this. Like. <laughs> This is how this is how fragile the economies and capitalist systems are. The value of the dollar goes out the drain if you like. Okay, if I this is how it all started in Greece, right? Right. This is how the Starbucks app. Right, because now listen, I open the app and guess what? It says I have zero dollars on there. Now, how did it say I had nineteen dollars? I give it to you to scan. You scan it. Then I have zero. Yeah, no. Uh, you, uh, you got a complaint at best. I'm really surprised you didn't choke this person. Well, I was I was in a hurry because I was making pancakes and I didn't have any buttermilk, so I had to go get the buttermilk and I decided to get some coffee. It's a, it's tense over here right now, Rob. I can't I can't <laughs> tell you how tense things are in the Walmart house. Next week when it's Magford and I, and when you come back, hopefully you'll have some pent up stories. I am going to have so many new stories to tell uh, over the next uh, rest of my life, <laughs> considering uh, the, the changes that are going on over here. Uh, I know I'm being vague, but I can tell you that, that it's tense right now. And I, I was very- I'm assuming today. this is your goodbye then, right? This is it for you, probably. Yes, this has to be it. I didn't do the show on Sunday, mainly because of, I was. it's not that I was busy on Sunday. I was doing all Bobby Petrino content. You were out of town- uh, and Lackford was was really on me because he wanted to come talk. Petrino. I was in Lackford's hometown of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania at an EDM show. It was really something. Yeah, what what a life! What a life you lead. Uh, I was muling. I was a real life mule. Uh, we did not get any new iTunes reviews. We're at 102. Leave us a review. I'm. This is going to be weird because we're going to be down two co-hosts when uh, from our original staff. Obviously, Nick is long gone, uh, and I will be gone. But the longer this, the longer I wait, I'm supposed to be gone already. I'm supposed to be three days into my absence. Uh, I plan on being gone for 28 days. That's now down to 25 based on the thing. So uh, every day that goes by is less time that I'm going to be gone. So I don't know. Hopefully this is it. I won't be back next All week. Right, as well, much as I'll I get it. with Lackford and we will be back. I guess it'll be the Rob Cassidy and Dave Lackford show next week. That's right. So uh, hopefully next week you have Lackford and Cassidy. You can talk about Louisville nonstop. You can talk about Philly cheesesteaks. I can give my story from the EDM show that was called Transgiving, and I'm definitely not making that up. You can talk about pomposity, the pomposity of you to go 
Oh, oh, that's what I was going to tell you. The, the 90s, on, on, on the first episode, like in the first three minutes of the show, somebody uses the word pomposity describing Frasier. Oh, yeah. Frasier is the Frasier is in the dictionary under pomposity. Uh, if you don't know what pomposity means, Lackford reminds us that he's a lawyer sometimes in writing. Uh, what did he say? He's <laughs> Okay, here's what he wrote to me the other day. Uh, he was talking about a person uh, who's uh, kind of gullible, right? Yep. And he said, of course, this banal blank is what this person finds salient. <laughs> it only works if you read it in the deep Philly accent. It's not right. as funny if it's just read in a normal accent. It's funny if you read it. You guys have heard Blackford talk. Do you think he uses words like banal and salient and pomposity? No, of course not. But he does. Uh, it's very funny. I remember telling – who did I tell he was a – I told somebody he was a, a lawyer recently, and they were flabbergasted. <laughs> <A> prosecutor. <laughs> oh, we love you, Lackford. I do love Dave. And I can't you, wait to host a couple weeks of it with him. Oh, hey, real quick, you got how many? Minutes? Got negative minutes? three, but go ahead. Okay. This whole shtick, pe- people have now made a shtick out of putting up their Christmas decorations early. Have you noticed this? No. I, like, sorry, not sorry. It's too early. I'm putting my tree up. This is one of those things that I know you get mad at me about that like, I don't have an opinion on. It's, it's, I, don't care. I don't care if you put your Christmas lights up in March. If that's what you want to do, you just you go ahead. <laughs> you do you. Okay. I don't think they should go up before Thanksgiving. But my point is not even about that, Rob. My point is people are now essentially trolling. It, people have now become – it's made it part of their personality that they put on Mariah Carey the day after Halloween and put up their Christmas tree. Have you noticed that? I have actually. Yeah, that's becoming more and more of a thing. Do you think they really like Christmas that much or they just want – it's just content? It's content for sure. I mean some people I'm sure like Christmas that much and good for them. And, and you know, Everybody needs a shtick. You know? Everybody's got a bit and if, that wants, if that's going to be your bit, then God bless you. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not original though. That's the problem. It's it's lame. It's corny. And I know you think you're funny. You're not. Stop it. Number two, I forgot. I I'm going to be on I guess that's my bit. Is that just not doing it? <laughs> well, you put up decorations. Go up in your house though. Yeah, inside. Okay. So guess what? Real quick before I leave, please, please, please. I say this every year. Do not buy a fake Christmas tree if you have one. You're failing. Buy a real Christmas tree. Support American Christmas tree farmers. Real trees are better for the environment. They are farmed just like apples, whatever else you buy, any type of produce. This is a renewable resource. It's better for the environment to buy real trees. They're not, they're not cutting down the rainforest to provide these trees. They are farmed and replaced on a yearly basis, managed responsibly by Christmas tree farmers across America. Please buy a real tree. Do not have a fake tree. I know it's a little harder the smell of a real tree is amazing. Having it in your house, that real trees are compostable. They never will go into a landfill. No matter where you throw them, guess what a tree becomes when you cut it down and then you just throw it on the side of the road. Uh, it just becomes a tree on the side of the road and it composts into the earth like any other tree. Please buy a real tree. Rob, you know I'm passionate about this. Y- you never get a real tree though, do you? I don't you? get a tree a lot of times. Um, sometimes a tree goes up, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. It really just kind of depends on the year. Uh, this year they'll, they'll probably, sometimes I get a real tree. Sometimes I don't get a tree at all. I've had a, I think the last three years I've gone real tree, fake tree, no tree in that order. Okay. 
I'm going to make some phone calls. You'll have a real tree this year. I'm getting a big real tree. We're going with a big dog this year. Go right after Thanksgiving. Guess what? You can't buy. Here's here's the problem. The Christmas tree industry is going to have to adjust to all these basics that want to put up trees in November because the number one day for exporting Christmas trees is the day after Thanksgiving. That's when every tree's got to go out because that's when people are supposed to start putting them up. I got to go. Get I got to go. I got to get off this podcast. <laughs> it's got to right. go. We're out. Okay. See you. Bye, Real Tree.